Welcome to News, Notes, and Rumors. And with me, as always, Samantha Button from NBC Sports. Samantha, how you doing today? Doing okay. How are you, Bill? I'm doing okay, too. A lot, a lot better than uh, I was Monday. No question about that at all. All right. Uh, we want to remind everybody that we do have the free jobs book. And I am even grading the results of the uh, tests uh, for uh, military, police, fire, first responders, homeland security, uh, basically anybody that protected us or any of our allies, you can contact me uh, on uh, uh, on my Twitter and contact uh, Samantha as well. Yep, I let us know. Go ahead, pass that along. Give a friend, a family member, a colleague who meets the criteria happy to get that out to them as well. Absolutely. All right. The question of the day. Who is the f most physically gifted player in the NFL? Ooh, that's an interesting question, which I've never been asked before, actually. <laughs> um, and, oh, that's hard. I mean, it's, it's so tempting to pick a guy like Patrick Mahomes. But I think if we're looking for truly the best athlete, probably looking at a receiver or a safety um, or a corner. Um, if we're just talking who is the most physically gifted athlete, not the most gifted football player. So I don't know. I mean, it might be Antonio Brown. I mean, we hate to say that, but uh, I think it might be. <laughs> well, and th there's another uh, candidate that I had, and that's the, uh, uh, the new Chicago linebacker. Oh, Khalil, yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, Khalil's—he's the most complete package in the NFL. If you're talking about being physically gifted, being super, super smart, being <laughs> technically correct, and yep. I, I suppose both, you know, football skills and athletic skills. Sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, time for the MLB update. Oh. Um, Okay, so, well, good news, sort of, um, for Indian fans. They have kind of clawed their way back into first place in the division, so had a very bad series against Kansas City over the weekend, which I'm sure you all know. Um, nice bounce back against Seattle. Really, really good news is Francisco Lindor finally, 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 I know it feels like it's been forever, um, getting that last rehab started is expected to rejoin the team at home against Atlanta this weekend. So great news. Jason Kipnis is back in the lineup as well. So really, really, I think some very, very much needed um, <laughs> offensive help there. Full game in front of Minnesota, Detroit in the middle of the division, Chicago, Kansas City down the line. Um, big, big surprise, of course, in the east. Uh, Tampa Bay leading there. Um, had a very weird conversation with somebody before the season started who was asserting that they thought Tampa Bay would win that division. Um, and we all shook our heads and said, you are crazy. It's going to be New York or Boston. Well, Boston is playing 300 baseball. Uh, <laughs> New York is playing some 500 baseball as well. And of course, we both expect they will both rate the ship and get back into the competition. But Tampa Bay has been so, so good that I think we can no longer discount them. And of course, we know this is a small sample size, less than 20 games in the book, but class. Uh, Certainly, I think you need to keep an eye on them. Houston out in front of the West, no great surprise there. Texas playing a little bit over 500 ball, which I think I had a couple of us that said we thought Texas was actually a lot better than a lot of people expected, but probably not a wild card contender. Seattle playing very well. Also, don't expect that to last. 
and then Oakland and the Angels bringing up the rear, and that's the AL. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the laugh of the day. Uh, Cleveland GM Dorsey used a long time and old printer to print out the schedule, and he took a video of it. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. None whatsoever. Uh, Gronk was practicing his new sport, uh, baseball, when he put a very large dimple in a Super Bowl trophy. <laughs> but it's interesting. We've seen these trophy damage videos a lot lately. And I'll remember what happened during the World Series parade um, last year when somebody threw a can of beer, I think it was, that hit the World Series trophy during the parade in Boston. <laughs> So, uh, you know, these things, but luckily they're pretty resilient and they are fixable. Yep, absolutely. And Tom Coughlin uh, got a reprimanded when he reminded, when he was reminded that the OTAs are strictly voluntary. Uh, I don't know what he said, because I don't know what this is in reference to, but, um, you know, this is pretty standards. It's, it's voluntary, but it's not really voluntary, but so, you know, we go through the Absolutely. NFL News. Uh, tight end uh, uh, Zach Miller has announced his retirement from the NFL. He was uh, without a team. Ah, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, New England Patriots signed wide receiver Demarius, uh, Demarius uh, Thomas to a one-year deal worth up to six million dollars. You know, I hadn't even thought about this until it happened, and as soon as it did, I thought, oh, of course, of course, that makes a ton of sense. It's a one-year deal, so no real commitment, but obviously, Demarius Thomas, a guy who conceivably has something left to offer, New England certainly needed some help. Um, in terms of picking up pass catchers, this is kind of what they do. This is how they acquire people to help them out. So makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Uh, Seattle signed uh, Russell Wilson, agreed to a four-year, $144 million deal with $65 million signing bonus and a total of $107 million guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, this makes sense to me. I, I don't understand this whole, oh, they should trade Russell Wilson thing. I don't think that was ever really on the table, ever. Um, we get these kind of garbagey rumors floating around all the time anytime somebody makes a contract demand, supposedly makes a contract demand or whatever. Um, but it's, I know there's been a lot of talk of how much that good that money could do if it was spread around, and, and we're certainly operating currently in an NFL that very much believes in the cheap rookie contract especially for quarterbacks, but if you have a Russell Wilson, you pay your Russell Wilson. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he has been by far the uh, only player on offense for Seattle uh, since he really started. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, they've been through different iterations there, and that was a very different team when, you know, Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch and two Hall of Famers played together. It was kind of a thing, but um, it, it's been a long time since that was true. And yep. it, it, to me, it, it doesn't really matter who he's even playing for. It's, the market 
the way that the market works now, that if, if your guy is up for a deal, whatever the last deal was probably sets it. doesn't mean he's necessarily the best quarterback in the league. It's all about do you need this person, do you pay this person? Of course you do. Of course you do. All right. And the Washington Redskins have signed defensive end uh, Matt Laninas uh, to a three-year $21.75 uh, deal. Okay, who is this person? Is this a re-signing or a new contract? It's a re-signing. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I don't know enough about him to comment. All right. Uh, all right. The topic today are the New England Patriots. And we start off with the general manager, who is also the head coach, Bill Belichick. Will Bill draft a tight end to replace Gronk? Uh, maybe. Impossible to say, pretty much. I mean, I, I think that they're so used to using that tight end position as a very, very important part of that offense that it stands to reason, of course, you would try to. I don't see Belichick reaching for somebody here. I would imagine they will probably take a tight end somewhere along the way, but who knows if that person will really end up being the guy. They will probably just adjust their offense and say, okay, we don't have Gronk anymore. We're going to do this differently. If the opportunity is there for them to get somebody who they think is viable, I'm sure they will do it, but I don't see any kind of reach for these sort of top-tier tight ends um, who are coming out of the draft this year. Absolutely. The OC is uh, Josh McDaniels. Will he seek a new job as head coach after the season again? Oh, we can't answer that now. That's that's a year away. Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen between now and next year. So absolutely no clue. And the uh, DC is vacant. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll figure something out. Obviously, you know, Brian is left to go become a head coach. That makes sense. He brought in Greg Ciano. He had some kind of personal problems that caused him to step down and resign from the position, so I'm sure they will promote somebody else into this role. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think it's particularly concerning because Belichick can call the defensive plays, so I don't yep. think it's really that big of a deal. It really is not, and he runs that defense. No question about that at all. All right, uh, uh, the quarter starting quarterback is Tom Brady. How long can he remain a top quarterback in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, I guess until he doesn't would be my answer to that at this point. Because this guy, I mean, he's really, he's too old, right? Theoretically, he's going to be, what, 42 coming into this season, yep. I believe. So, and which is way too old to be an NFL quarterback. And, and yet he looks to be fine. And look at the difference between, say, him and Roethlisberger, who's a lot younger than him and who's clearly showing some pretty serious signs of aging. And we don't see that in Brady. So I think that Brady will let us know when Brady is done being an NFL quarterback. Uh, the backup is uh, uh, Brian Hoyer. Uh, if Brady gets hurt, can Hoyer step in and lead the Pats to any wins? Oh, sure. Absolutely. He's a good backup. Um, he's not, I mean, if Brady were to go out for, say, half a season or a whole season, then, then yeah, you're going to have a huge problem. Brian quarterback, Brian quarterback, Brian Hoyer is really not a starting caliber quarterback. We, we've seen that before. And as much as I love Brian Hoyer, that's, that's not his role. He's just never been quite good enough 
to be that person. But if he needs to step in for a game here or there, and the Patriots are so system-driven that they can adjust into that. And by and by, are really, really not bad. I think they will be fine if we're talking about a small amount of responsibility for him. All right. Uh, the running back. The starter is uh, Sonny Michael. Uh, can he get more than 4.5 uh, yards per attempt in the regular season? Um, I don't think it matters. I mean, you know how much I hate these over-unders because it doesn't matter. Um, he is just, Tony Michelle did an outstanding job as a rookie last year. I think he will continue to do so and use him to catch some passes as well. I really wonder more to me is about, you know, do they still have the same personnel to organize in the same way within the running back group that they have before in terms of who you put where, who plays what role. But I, I just, you know, this, this over-under kind of stuff, I, I don't, I just, doesn't matter to me because if he gets 4.7 or 4.3, it's probably not indicative of anything that is meaningful. Uh, the backup running back is Rex Burkhead from Cincinnati. Uh, can Rex get more yards per attempt this year than he had last year? Um, I don't think he came from Cincinnati, did he? Um, yeah. He's always been on the Patriots, as far as I know. Um, so... Um, I'm not sure what that's about, but um, yeah, he's been a Patriot for forever, as long as, as far as I know. Um, but he is, look, I mean, he was hurt last year. Um, he's been kind of banged up, dinged up every year. So I like Rex Burkhead, but I think he's sort of like a limited availability type of player. But again, talk about the Patriot system. It really doesn't matter because look what they did in the playoffs last year. We haven't seen Rex Burkhead in ages, right? And then all of a sudden, he just popped up, and all of a sudden, he was the guy for, like, a couple of plays. Right. And then they took it right yep. back and did something else. So, to me, you know, all these guys, they're, they all have a role to play. It's not really so much about, you know, can they be better or can they be good enough. It's, do we continue to have a system that works? Or do we have the people who fit in the system? And I think Rex Burkhead, never going to be the guy, you know, capital letters, the guy, but certainly somebody who I think is more than capable of fulfilling the role that they've had him in in the past. All right, uh, the wide receiver, number one is uh, Phil Dorsett. Uh, the backup is uh, Harris, uh, Maurice Harris. And will Dorsett provide at least a part of the offense that the uh, team needs? I doubt he's really going to be a big player in this. I mean, as we all know that it doesn't really matter how they line him up on the depth chart. Julian Edelman is the number one receiver there and is going to continue to be um, until he gets hurt or his contract runs out, essentially. Um, obviously, totally different type of receiver. So that is, I mean, they brought him in, what was it? I think it was two years, maybe a two full seasons of Dorsett or nearly two full seasons of Dorsett in New England. And he's never really been that big of a contributor there so i don't see him as all of a sudden becoming the guy again he's a role player there but it does i mean it's also kind of why he brought in Demarius thomas right because julian edelman can't be responsible for your entire offense i know he was in the super bowl pretty much but you can't sustain that through a full season absolutely uh, that is a real issue uh with new england particularly all right uh julian edelman is the uh number two wide receiver at least on the right hand side and bruce ellington is the backup uh can 
the uh, new set of wide receivers get the passing game going again? I mean, it was fine last year. I believe it will continue to be fine. I mean, we pretty much ask this question every year. Oh, no, they don't have enough weapons, and they're always fine. And it, it is a little bit different, I think, without Gronk out there as your insurance plan and Edelman not getting into younger. So they're going to have to make the moves. But they've already done that with Demarius Thomas. I doubt they're done. The Patriots sort of kind of came with a midseason pickup as well. We've seen a number of guys brought in mid-year um, that have been played. It happened with Josh Gordon. Results were kind of mixed. But... They tend to find what they need to find in this capacity, and again, because it is really not about anybody being the individual star here. It's about whether you fit into the system. I have a feeling Patriots are going to do what Patriots do, and they will be just fine. And the, the uh, swing receiver is Demetrius uh, Thomas, and he is really an excellent addition to this team. Yeah, I mean, my hope with Demarius Thomas is that it will take some of the pressure off Edelman over the middle because yep. Edelman is so tiny and he's broken like every bone in his body and he's old. And they still have him trying to catch passes in traffic in the middle of the field. And they've done less of that over the last couple of years after he had the, it was the ACL, I think that changed things a little bit. But Edelman's also a guy who, you know, you can't rely on him to like check himself. And this is obviously mostly a good thing in a player, but you know, he's the guy who's going to, like, he'll go out there and break a bone if he needs to to make a play. So if you can kind of take him out of the situation where you're more likely to do that, and I think Demarius Thomas could be useful in that capacity, just to take a little bit of that pressure on those crossing routes off of Edelman, it would make a big difference in terms of how much they get out of the whole group. Absolutely. All right, the tight end is Stefarian Jenkins. Uh, the uh, backup is uh, Matt LaCrosse. Good signing, but can he actually replace, can Samarian Jenkins actually replace uh, Gronk? Well, no, of course not. And, and I'm sure they don't expect it to. I mean, nobody's going to be Gronk. He's a Hall of Famer. And yep. you're not going to find one of those. And Austin Samarian Jenkins certainly isn't that person. I sort of one of those guys who I've always been a little bit intrigued by. He's never been quite as good as I thought he could be. I expect he will probably be his best self in the Patriots system because most people either become their best self there or they get <laughs> disposed of <laughs> fairly quickly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that they can get some productivity out of the tight end position. You mentioned the draft as well, which I don't think we're not ruling that out either, right? They might bring in somebody that way. So, so yeah, I mean, it's not going to be drunk. We all know that. The Patriots know that. But Austin Sarah Jenkins is, is not bad. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. The left tackle is Isaiah Wynn. Uh, the uh, backup is Cole Clark uh, Clarkston. And is Wynn really ready to protect one of the best players in the NFL? Well, you'll never know until we find out. You know, um, he is certainly, I think, a guy who we've always seen as sort of a, a high potential type of player. Um, and the Patriots last year it was, oh no, you know, they told us, gone, this is a disaster. And it really wasn't as bad as everybody kind of doomsday to doubt to be. So I think it will be fine. Um, obviously, they've had to make some adjustments as, in what the Patriots do is they lose people to free agency, people they don't want to pay, people retire. They just kind of move on and, and bring in somebody else who's maybe not as good, but they find a way to make it work. Absolutely. 
the left guard is uh, Joe uh, Tunnel, Tunney, and the backup is Ted Caceres. Uh, can either of these guys get a block at the second level? I don't know. Um, I haven't watched either Premier Caceres enough individually um, to assess that. Um, I mean, this is not a team that been great at this over the last couple of years. They're also not really a team that needs it for the most part, but every once in a while we do run into a situation where they go up against the defense that is stymieing their passing game, stymieing the, the little outside you know, shots to the running back that they love so much, and that's where this kind of becomes a problem. But I also think it's kind of a group issue is somewhat to do with the interior blocking on the offensive line, somewhat to do with the types of running backs that they tend to favor. So, again, I don't think it's a huge issue, but certainly something I think you might want to keep an eye on. All right. Uh, All right. Cent- uh, the center is uh, David Austin, or uh, David Andrews. The backup is uh, James uh, Fitzgerald. Barron. Barron. Uh And the question is, can Andrews block the nose guard to keep him off Brady? Yeah, I mean, they've been fine there. I, I don't anticipate problems just materializing out of nowhere at this spot, so it should be fine. He's the probably the best uh, guy on the offensive line. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, I'm I'm not at, at all unsure. Uh, sure uh, that uh, Isaiah Wynn can actually hold his position. Uh, Joe Tunney is, gives me real question marks. And even Marcus, uh, Marcus Cannon uh, gives me a lot of question marks as well. Yeah, and Cannon, uh, I don't know. He's a little bit, he's sort of one of those guys who I think that in a, on a line of theoretically four perfect players and Marcus Cannon, then Marcus Cannon is not a problem. Um, Marcus Cannon asked to be the guy in any capacity or even be one of the guys makes me a little bit nervous. Um, it's not because I think he's terrible or anything like that. I just don't think he's wonderful. I don't either. All right. Uh, the right guard is uh, Sakil uh, Watson, and the backup is... Brian Schwenke, uh, the question is, is this O-line good enough to protect Brady? Probably. I mean, just, we're not seeing a, a lot of change um, from the previous season, so I think that they will be fine. They're a very well-coached unit, um, and Brady, uh, the, the problem is, is that Brady's not good when he's not protected. Um, he doesn't do well under those circumstances. Now, he's still better than most people, but he's not nearly as effective as he is when there, when he has the good protection. Some quarterbacks handle that better than others. Brady is not the worst, but he's also not the best, and, and he's getting worse and worse at it as he gets older. Also worry a little bit about injuries. So, yeah, I mean, I think they can protect him fine. I don't think this is any kind of alarm situation, but certainly um, I'm sure he wishes they were better. <laughs> And the uh, uh, right uh, tackle is uh, Marcus Cannon. The backup is Skipper Dan, uh, Dan Skipper. And the question is, if Cannon goes down, 
Can is Skipper really ready to step in and and take the take the lead? I doubt it, but we don't really have any way of knowing it. But I'm not sure this is a particular concern. Um, I don't think there's an offensive line out there who has somebody who's ready to step in and take over because there's so much scarcity of talent. That's true. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the defensive left defensive end is uh, Dietrich uh, Wise, and the backup is uh, Kamarna Davis. Uh, these guys can can they stop the run outside? Um, I think they'll be all right. Again, you know, not exceptional, but probably good enough. Wow. All right, uh, the defensive tackle on the uh, left side is uh, Lawrence Guy, and uh, his backup is uh, Perry David. Can these guys get any pressure on the quarterback? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't love the interior. Um, of the defensive line. I don't think that they're great. Um, and again, you know, it's the Patriots and they are pretty good at figuring this kind of stuff out. But I do think that this is a group that has kind of had some attrition over the last couple of years. And I think that's going to start to show up. It's not necessarily going to be a big dramatic thing because the Patriots are so good at kind of band-aiding problems. But I don't have a ton of confidence in this group. <laughs> Nor should you. Mm. Absolutely not. All right. The uh, right defensive tackle is uh, Mike Pennell, and his backup is uh, Adam Butler. Can these guys stop the run up the gut? I mean, again, like sort of the same thing. I, I just don't particularly think this group is all that exceptional. Um, they're not terrible. But I think they're going to have some trouble getting productivity out of this particular group, both in terms of stopping the run and in terms of creating pressure. All right. And the right defensive end is Michael Bennett, uh, who uh, came in a trade from Cincinnati, or from uh, Philadelphia, rather. And the backup is a, uh, John Summon, Simmons. Uh, the can this group actually protect? Uh, can they put any pressure at all on the quarterback? I mean, Bennett, like, I like Michael Bennett. I mean, he does have to stay out of trouble. That's another thing, yep. um, which I don't really think is going to be a problem, but we have to put it out there because there have been some issues in the past. And I think my concern about Michael Bennett is that part of the reason why he was so good and so productive in Philadelphia is because he was part of a rotation. They have a ton of depth there. They were able to use these guys as almost like specialists, all of them, which meant that everybody kind of had a very unique role to play that had a ton of help in terms of rotations, in terms of relieving guys, moving things around, different schemes. The Patriots, well, we always talk about how well they scheme and everything, and that's true, certainly, but they don't have the volume of personnel to run a defensive front the way that the Eagles did in 2017, which is kind of what we're referring to with Bennett here when he was so productive, which two seasons ago. So it's not really even about, I don't think, can Bennett do that? It's embedded in a system that would allow him to do that, and I'm not sure I think that's the case. 
I don't agree. I totally agree with you. I don't think that they have nearly the depth that they need on that defensive line. And it's going to be really interesting to watch and find out how that offensive line, uh, uh, the defensive line comes out and whether they can produce any pressure at all. All right, the linebackers. Uh, Donata Hilltower is, uh, Hightower is the starter. Uh, Brandon King is the backup. Can these players cover a linebacker or a running back out of the backfield? Oh, yeah, I love Dante Hightower. Um, I think he's absolutely exceptional, really, really smart player, really physically gifted player as well. Um, he's, you know, there, there's a reason why New England doesn't pay anybody. There's a reason why they paid Dante Hightower. Um, one of the few people to get that big contract out of this team. And I think he produces for it. Um, certainly he is, again, he's not a perfect player, of course, but I think he is one of the strongest points on this defense. He's also sort of the, the brains behind this whole group, if you will. So he contributes in that way as well. All right. Uh, the middle linebacker is uh, Eldon uh, Roberts. The backup is uh, uh, Bradley uh, Jaquan Bradley. Can these guys, at, can, is Roberts capable of stopping the run up the gut? Mm. <laughs> I, we're going to hope that <laughs> somebody else stops that before it gets to him because mm, I don't love this. Um, I, I'm not sure he's capable. I, to me, he's a backup to me. Um, right. and, and he's currently listed as a starter. So, I mean, maybe this is something he's going to address in the draft um, if you're the Patriots, but it's not great depth there. I mean, they're great at kind of finding the diamond in the junk pile, right? But, like, I yep. this, let's hope that this isn't how it goes. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Roberts. <laughs> and the uh, outside linebacker the is uh, Kyle uh, Vanoy. Uh, can Vanoy cover a tight end? I think it depends on the t- end. I think there are a lot of teams out there. Who, you know, like we're not talking about a top-tier tight end. I'm sure he can do that. But some of the bigger, faster, you know, like picture, I don't want to say Gronk, because nobody has a Gronk anymore, but, you know, picture the, the guys who are like one step down from Gronk and, and pay attention to a lot of these guys, the, those tight ends coming out of the draft, those two kids out of Iowa, that type of tight end, and certainly there are plenty of them already floating around the NFL, too. Like, I don't love that matchup with Kyle Von Noy. Unless, well, if I'm the opposing team, I love that matchup. But if I'm the Patriots, I don't. Well, absolutely not. And uh, the cornerbacks are the left cornerback is uh, Jason McCourty. Uh, and uh, J.C. Jackson is the backup. And is McCourty an upgrade, or still can he still do enough? Um, you know, it's when they made when they brought in McCourty, I thought it was what beginning of last season, and I thought, okay, you know, that makes sense. But I had kind of pictured that more as a depth move. So now he's the starting left cornerback, and it's not that he is bad. It's not that I don't think he has value, but. I, I think if I'm the Patriots and if I'm I'm kind of concerned about what's going on up front on my defense, right? And if I had a shutdown cornerback here, I'd be like, okay, you know what? We're just going to take we're going to go about this a different way. It's fine. But these guys, as much as they're not terrible, 
and we'll get to the other guy in a second because he needs to be kind of talked about in this capacity too. But um, I don't love these guys as your two starting corners unless you have a much, much stronger front seven. And I just, I mean, you can get away with a little bit because you have, I think, some pretty good talent at safety, but uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I have the same trepidations. Uh, the uh, right cornerback is Stephen Gilmore. Uh, the backup is uh, uh, Killian uh, Crosette. And Gilmore needs to be upgraded. Yeah, look, we don't see the Patriots make a ton of bad decisions in terms of bringing in free agents. For one thing, they almost never pay anybody. So I was very surprised when they decided to bring in Stephon Gilmore. And that was, what, two years ago now? Mm-hmm. Two years ago. And the last thing I remember Stephon Gilmore doing with the Patriots that was notable was getting into a fist fight with Julian Edelman in training camp in, I guess that would have been 2017. So, essentially, I guess I'm trying to say he is not impressed since then. I didn't pay any attention to him on the field since then. I don't think he's been particularly good for them. I think he served a purpose at one point, but he was never really the long-term answer. I just I kind of understand why they paid him. I kind of don't understand it, but either way, I think that it's been a while since I think he's had pretty good impact play. He has had a lot of plays where he was like the dude who got torched. So, time for an upgrade. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, the uh, free safety is uh, Devin McCourty. Uh, the backup is uh, Duran uh, Harmon. Well, I like. I mean, I like Devin McCourty. I think he's fine. Um, you know, there are better free safeties out there, but he is perfectly fine. Like, I think the Patriots are pretty much okay at safety um, in terms of starting. A lot less scary than the situation at corner. Absolutely, and McCordy is is solid, but Harmon is not a decent backup. Yeah, which I don't think. I mean, again, backup safeties. You know, I mean, they will be in trouble if he gets hurt, but most people would in that situation. Yep, so. absolutely. And Patrick Chung <laughs> is the starter at uh, strong safety. Uh, A.J. Howard is the uh, backup. And Chung is fine, but Howard, not so much. Yeah, I mean, I think well, we saw it with, with Patrick Chung when he had the injury in the Super Bowl that they need him. Um, obviously, they, they came out of that okay and they won it, but it was not because the safety play was okay. It absolutely wasn't. Um, Patrick Chung is, I, I think, uh, you know, and he's, there's no reason to think that he won't be 100% recovered from his injury in the Super Bowl. But that was kind of a good, I guess, gut check for everybody. He says, oh, wow, this is a problem when he's not here. And certainly A.J. Howard is not making me feel any better about that. No, absolutely not. All right, uh, the place kicker is Steven Gronkowski. Um he was sol- he is solid and was signed to a long term deal. Yeah, I got to talk to him, he's a good kicker. I 
no issue here at all. Um, he's long term signed. They're fine here. I mean, we've been usually kickers are not a big thing, but as we've been going over teams this year, we've been shaking our heads at almost every kicker and going, "Oh my goodness, are you sure you want to do this?" This would be one of the exceptions to that, where I say, "Yep, no, you're absolutely fine." Kowski, yep. very reliable, no problems here. Absolutely, and the punter is uh, Ryan Allen. Uh, Allen is okay. Yeah, I like Ryan Allen. Um, you know, I think he has deteriorated just ever so slightly over the years. He's been a Patriots a long time, but um, yep. he's he's plenty good enough. I he's a good punter. Again, I don't really foresee any issues there. All right, uh, we're going to now talk about the Cleveland Browns schedule, and basically, what did you think of it overall? Um, I. You know, I don't know. Um, I guess the thing that stood out to me is that there are, what, four primetime games, I believe, for the Browns this year? Mm -hmm. So that's pretty impressive um, just in terms of what the expectations are for the Browns. This is the kind of stuff you really pay attention to and say, okay, you know, this is a team that two years ago was only getting one primetime game, and the only reason they were even getting that is because they have to give you one. They have to. Mm -hmm. So this is quite a leap um, to go to a team that has multiple primetime games and tells me that not just Cleveland that is excited about the Browns, it's the league, the media, everybody involved thinks that this team is going to be exciting to watch. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be great, but that they will be interesting. So that does, however, I think with, you know, <laughs> this kind of attention also comes great expectations. So it will be interesting to see how the Browns hold up under that. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Browns hold up. Uh, the first game is Tennessee uh, at home. The second game is the first Monday night game that between the Jets and the Browns. And that was the first game uh, in what I, I can't even remember how long it has been, but uh, it was really excellent. Since what? Since the Browns were on Monday night? No, no, no. I I can't remember when the the Monday night game started. Um. Wait. What do you mean? When what Monday night game started? Uh, the overall Monday night game. The first game was uh, the Jets uh, home against uh, the Browns. That was the first Monday gonna... night game. Oh, like in the history of ever. Right. You yep. Mean? Oh, okay. Long before my time. So, sorry, I didn't... There you go. With that. Um, okay. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think this is interesting. I mean, to me, it's like, this is clearly put here the way that it was because it's the Darnold and Baker Mayfield thing, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Um, but, you know, whatever. Browns on Monday night, that's pretty cool. So, we're looking forward to seeing that. Uh, it also eases up the last half of the season... Uh, they get the uh, Ravens early, uh, at the Ravens early, uh, and also at Seattle, uh, home against Seattle early. But uh, they, they get, oh shoot, they really get a pretty decent break uh, in playing Cincinnati in game 17. Well, yeah, I mean, just in terms of the way that the schedule shook out in terms of 
the order which you're playing, you know, you're, you're dealt the hand you are, you have to play the teams in your division and you're playing whoever you're assigned, right? But the order in which you are playing them, I agree with you. I think they've been pretty fortunate. You've got your bye week seven, which is in the best, the best you can hope for is week eight, right? You want that week eight bye, you want to go right, right. down the middle. Week seven is, is pretty darn close to that. So they were fortunate with the bye. You get a lot of the uglier stuff out of the way in the front half of the season. The Rams, you go to Baltimore, you go to San Francisco, Seattle at home, you go to New England, that's week eight. And then the back half, I mean, you get, okay, you've got Pittsburgh twice, which is not nearly as scary a thing as it once was. You've also got Buffalo, Miami, Arizona, all these teams that are Denver. I mean, this is a pretty cushy schedule. You get, And then you mentioned, of course, that you have Cincinnati twice in the last four weeks of the season. So I guess this is, I mean, I suppose where, where I want to go with this is don't panic if the Browns' record isn't great after, like, six weeks going into that bye. Yep. Because most of the tougher games are up front. So I don't necessarily expect them to be leading the division or have an exceptionally high winning percentage at that point because your tougher games are all kind of right in a row at the beginning. They are going to up that winning percentage significantly in the second half of the season just because of the way the caliber of opponents has shaken out here. Absolutely. Uh, also... Why do we have to go to New England? Why do we have to go to Denver? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Um, not that I mind going to Arizona. I'll, I'll take Arizona anywhere on my schedule. Let me play Arizona. Great, I'll go there. They can yep. come here. Work for me. Free win. Absolutely. <laughs> Future draft choice player to be named later. <laughs> All right, that's so, gonna, Go ahead. Oh, I just want to ask you. I was going to ask you a question about the schedule, really quick. So, who do you think? Like, if we threw out like New England, who do you think is the toughest opponent on the schedule for the Browns? Well, what do you think the toughest game is going to be, not including the New England game? I would say at uh, Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I was kind of looking at at Baltimore. I mean, I think I sort of, well, at San Francisco might be interesting, but there's a lot of ifs involved in that. Like, they would have to make a lot of, they'd kind of have to hit the ceiling on all the things that we think that they have a high ceiling on. Right. But, and Seattle at home is a little scary, too. But, yeah, the the one that, that looks the most rough to me outside of the New England game is also the, the game in Baltimore. No longer scares me to go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> no. There's nothing in, uh, nothing at all in Pittsburgh anymore. There's nothing there. Um. <laughs> Click buzz. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much for listening. You guys have a great week, and we will be back on Friday to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Bye now. <laughs>